Hello everyone and welcome to The Regular Takeover, a Words and Nerds spin-off podcast with myself, Nathan J. Phillips. Today I'm recording on Nunganwool land and I'd like to pay my respects to all the elders past, present and emerging of the Nunganwool people, the original storytellers of this region. Today, Dan has given me the mic to interview an Australian author, Deborah O'Ferry, who writes women's fiction and is based on the outskirts of Sydney. Her work has been featured on various websites, including Kidspot, Panache Bridal Shoes, Green Elephant, and generalised popular The Block Shop. Her articles can be found at Fairy Tales by Deborah O'Ferry. Deborah's love of reading inspired her to write her first novel, 500 Miles, which was released in December 2019. And uh, that's the novel and the journey that we'll be talking about today. So welcome to the podcast, Deborah O'Ferry. Thanks for having me, Nathan. It's great to be here on Words and Nerds. Last is good. Yes, yeah, I know that um, there's been a bit of a while trying to get some, some back and forth and getting scheduling, so it's exciting to, to be here, and and I'm particularly excited to talk to, uh, to you today, Deborah, because when it comes to romance, it's not a genre that I'm particularly well read in, so when I'm picking up books like 500 Miles, it's um, it's a very new experience for me, it's a different style of writing, it's a different way of characters interacting, and I find that I always learn something new from it, so uh, thank you very much for that. Before we go into the talking about publishing and everything, can you give us a, a spiel about uh, um, about 500 miles, about uh, Anna and Justin's journey? Yeah, definitely. So um, Anna and Justin, there's 500 miles is set between Melbourne and Sydney. At the time when I was writing it in the suburbs, they were based, they were 500 miles apart. So that's kind of the, the reasoning behind the name of the book. Um, so it's about Anna, who is happy in her career, the best thing that she really wants is that big love in life. She just doesn't seem to realise that she's her biggest obstacle in that. Mm. Her parents divorced at a young age and so she was always had this kind of grudge towards relationships without fully understanding why. So when um, relationships presented themselves to her, she seemed to disregard them quite quickly without really realising. So when Justin comes along, who ticks Although her great thing is about to happen, but when she realizes that he's told this mammoth lie, she walks away quite quickly. So 500 miles is very much about her understanding that relationships aren't as simple as you find love and that's it. It's not about A to B. It's about everything in between. So the potholes in the journey and the, the detours and that real big love is about being able to do big forgiveness as well is about essentially being able to forgive and move on and work with each other's flaws because as humans we are very much a flawed species yeah and it's it's very apparent in that in the book as well it's not um it's not just the relationship between Anna and Justin that are flawed we, we get to explore all of Anna's friends and how those relationships go and I'd say probably even more Justin's friends there's a couple of flawed characters in there as well and those relationships how they interplay on each other um, and that's one thing that um, yeah definitely yeah but looking at the the way 500 miles um, came into being and everything one of the things that we're looking at with all these uh, independent authors is what actually put you towards independent author as a um, as a career path so what was the I suppose the inspiration for going down that path as opposed to going down a big publisher or a small publisher or, or something along those lines yeah, great question, Nathan. To be honest, being a self-published author was not the big dream. I did not grow up thinking, that's it, I'm going to put my own book out there. 
I don't even think you could do it when I was a kid, but um, I imagined for years of getting that letter in the mail back when mail was a thing and running through the house saying, I got it, I'm accepted. (laughs) I just wanted to be accepted in the world of traditional publishing. That was the big dream. Over many years, I I had to make that choice. How bad do I want it? So I'm not getting this contract. I'm not ticking the right boxes for a traditional publishing house. The next option is doing it myself. That's a lot of work. Um, And every time I look into it, it's such a vast thing to be looking at that it's terrifying. I would run back to the idea of I'll just edit my book again in an publishing house. Um, And in the end, I had to just accept that's not going to happen for me. Well, we could, but I don't want to keep waiting. I don't know how long you're here to live for, really. Um, so if I want to make this happen, I want to show my kids there is a way to do something. I just thought, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to self-publish. I made a commitment and I just started researching all the different options. And that's when I saw there were perks in as was mostly about having control of things and the level of say that you got um, and ultimately that it would happen. There was no question about it. I could be a self-published author within months. I've been so hard for years to be a traditional published author. So having that, um, that control over time was a really important um, positive to self-publishing. Yeah, and that's been a really uh, common theme, having that control and treating it like a business. And, you know, there's, you know, as I said, there's a lot of work and a lot of extra responsibility in there. But the payoff is that, you know, it can take it can take maybe three months, or you know, you're on you're working on your own schedule. You'll work. You get to pick things like the covers. It's one that's come up. I've done a couple others, and it really seems to be a um, yeah, yeah, very uh, sort of rewarding payoff for all the effort that you put in. Yeah, definitely. I think the covers is um, one of one of the most famous quotes is that never judge a book by its cover, but we all know that's a big fat lie. We all judge a book by its cover. <laughs> the job of the cover. To, so. you, you write this story. Exactly. That's, that's what it does. Yeah. Um, but you spend all this time writing a story. You are envisioning covers, ideas the whole time. And if, if you're at a, at a traditional publishing house, you don't have that say. And that seems like almost like having a baby and not getting to name it, not mm. getting to, you know, have any control over anything. Well, not anything, but, um, you know, it's a really big part that you really want to say in. So by self-publishing and having that kind of, control over every little thing is is a good power to have yeah it's certainly um certainly a big benefit there sorry i've just had a thing come up saying my internet's unstable so if i do cut out i'll apologize in advance i've already had one uh interview cut out this week and that was very embarrassing um (laughs) so on on that journey um i see for me, I was, I was really surprised when I was um, a couple of years back at, actually, I think it was probably closer to about four or five years back now at GenreCon, uh, there were a number of um, a number of writers in, you know, different romantic fields and that that got up and spoke about um, the writing in genre. And one of the things that I found really surprising, which I shouldn't have when you think about it, it makes sense, is that romance really did um, sort of pave the way when it came to self-publishing, when it came to eBooks, when it came to all those sorts of things. And there seems to be quite a large community out there of um, of self-published uh, romance writers who have been quite successful as well. So I'm wondering how, whether or not you've 
um, found support from that community or you've been able to build your own community around 500 miles in your own work uh, or how that's that that community aspect has uh, assisted yeah the um that's one of the surprising things i think once you step into this field of of writing is that the community is is lovely and they're all hidden away like they're not out and about they are all online they're on their computers all the time but there's so many pockets of communities as well like there are romance writers there are fantasy writers so many writing um, like workshops and book conventions and all these things that I didn't really know existed to be honest Um, and once you step into it you realize there is just this huge community and huge amount of ways that people are um, not just writing books but reading books and consuming them in different ways and it's quite interesting uh, support is really lovely like you can post questions in lots of different forums um and people will like flock to to answer you like they people are so willing to help out but, um, not everyone is positive but mostly it's yeah. positive and it's it's really quite surprising I think because there's it's not like that everywhere and I, I have found that really welcoming and nice. Yeah, no, I've always found the uh, the writing community to be quite uh, quite inviting as well. It's nice when the, you know, the competition, I use that in air quotes, um, is just as, as happy and just as enthusiastic for your success as you are as well. Um, so on I that... I also think oh, with um, readers... Oh, sorry. No, no, go um, ahead. I found that readers of romance books... Uh, a really passionate community. Yeah, absolutely. As we really get behind their authors, they buy like merchandise. That's the real surprising thing. They have the key rings and pens and lip balms. And um, if there's this huge following for romance. people who read um, romance just consume it like chocolate. It's just gone in like days. And you could go out, you could spend hours writing or years that you put into something that's just consumed in hours. It's it's fascinating yeah. how passionate people are about it. So it's something I've heard is a is a bit of a double edged um uh maybe not sword, but it's a double edged um compliment when someone says I devoured your book in a night. And it's like, well, it's been a couple of years of writing that it's it's great, yeah, it did, exactly. but it's also you know, instant satisfaction and then it's gone. Um, but no, it, it is fantastic to have that support. And usually they're the people who say that to their, you know, their friends and you get that word of mouth going. And once that's happening, you know, that's absolute gold. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So when you were um, putting, uh, when you're first putting it uh, 500 miles out there, and it, it is something that really struck me, an obstacle of 500 miles a while ago, it's an obstacle, but it's over, it's able to be overcome. Whereas now, it has become even more of an obstacle to travel. Um, have you found that's had any sort of re- renewed relevance uh, for your story, or is that something that's just me reading too much into it? Well, that's the first time I've ever thought of it like that. Oh, well, um, I think it's quite poetic to look at it like that. But um, apart from that, it hasn't occurred to me. But I think yeah. you're probably right. Yeah. No, worries, I'll, uh, I'll just edit out the, um, the rambling bit. Any journey is much harder these days. Go on. Cool. So, um, the other part is in your in your publishing journey, both before and after the book's release. Um, is there anything that really surprised you about about the process of self publishing? And I was sort of coming at this from the angle of um, for for listeners or for people who 
are looking to to jump into that self-publishing world um anything that maybe you wish you'd known beforehand yeah um, yeah I think one thing which um isn't something that you necessarily think about too much but before you start know what success looks like to you like you know what grand success looks like but what level of success will you be content with because that um like that's the first part you have to aim for. We may all want great success and great readership and people to, to love your books. But for most of us, getting that is like it's, it may not happen. Like yeah, some amount of writers in the world, there's only really a small handful that are the elitely like just famous, known, they make movies out of their books every mm-hmm. time. Like that's there's only a small portion of those books and there are millions of books in the world. So know what success looks like for you. That's going to keep you going because it's, it's a bit of a lonely role to create these stories and put them out there. Um, and there's a lot of work and following it and being on top of things and just to really know what you are comfortable with and what you're prepared to do. And if you really want that, um, my publisher asked me that right at the beginning and I thought it was a bit insulting at first. Like, what do you mean? Of course I want this. But I respected him so much for saying that because it, it's, it was his first question and I think it was the best question to ask because if you're not prepared, don't do it because your heart has to be in it a lot yeah. <laughs> to, to be able to keep going with it. And and uh, I think that's a really important thing to know. So, um know how many how many books I I'm happy I'm I'm doing what I set out to do I think that's an important thing um but another really important thing that which seems so minor was one of my biggest flaws in getting my book traditionally published was the size of my book so I had a very big manuscript it started off 160,000 words ridiculous but I knew nothing I was so naive um that I just thought it was a big, long story. It's all great. And I, it was nonsense. Like, you cannot have a book that long, not in that genre, not as your first book. It's just no one's going to pick you up because you're you're a gamble. You're a newbie. So I think really understanding that you need to play by the respectable length because it also impacts your postage. It impacts um, the your printing costs. It's, it's just logistically and financially really important to make sure that you start small and respectable. I think that's a really important thing to know if you are hoping to publish and sell. Yeah, that is really, really fascinating. I hadn't thought of um, book length like that. I know that there are, you know, um, and maybe it's because I, I come from a fantasy background where, you know, 160 and 200,000, 500,000 eventually books are a thing, but not usually yeah. they use. So, um, but the other one about the, the yes, career yeah. is really interesting as well. Um, yes. it, it, it ties in with there's a, a US author, um, so US agent who basically says that the first thing they do is ask their clients who, whose career they want to emulate. So do they want to be that top shelf lead author, put out 6,000 books a year um, type person, or do they want to do it part-time as something that they do mainly to to enjoy, but also, you know, because people like to eat, so money is a thing. Um you know, that sort of happy to be a mid-lister, happy to be a wherever they want. So, yeah, that's really, really fascinating. Um, so I guess the 
the next one, you know, when you found those surprises and everything, what was it about the the self-publishing world um, that perhaps surprised you in a good way? You know, not, not the ones that necessarily came across as the unexpected obstacles, but the things that you walked into and went, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. I think the ability to make every choice, so the font, the layout, the cover, all of that was lovely. Um, but the ability to be able to link into different websites, um, have that control where you can run promotions, you can reduce the price to whatever you want it to be within you know, within 24 hours, it will turn over and you can, you have that power. Um, I think those little things are so important. A really important thing was when my book, because my book is a really, it's a thick book, so it's 496 pages. I yeah. think it's 130,000 words still. So it, it is a big book. It's out of a normal size for a romance um, debut book. But when the amended retail price, it was, a, I think it was 34 or 38.95. That would never sell. But if I went to a traditional publishing house, that's kind of how much that book would be because of its size. No one would even buy that. So I had the power to say, well, I'm going to make it a, a more respectable price. So it was more achievable to the average romance reader. So I think that was was great because I, I made that decision and I can drop that price again if I want to. I just have to get online and, and do that. So that's a really important power that a self-published author actually has where other authors don't have that luxury to changes on their own terms. So a bookshop can obviously have a sale and, you know, do a clearance rack. But to be an author and have that control, that's pretty lovely. I think yeah. that's a really good perk for a publisher. Yeah, and it, it sort of ties in with something that um, we heard on a previous podcast. Uh, I think it was the one with um, Curtis Brown, uh, agent Fiona Inglis, um, talking about how, you know, for sometimes publishers or sometimes bookstores or someone makes a decision that an author is not particularly happy with and it, and it can make the, the relationship a little bit awkward, which, um, of course, for her is where the agent comes in. But for a self-publisher, you are the publisher, you are the editor. So those decisions, not so awkward when you get to make them all yourself. Yes, exactly. And the blame is on you as well. So um, which has obviously good and bad, but um, having that ownership and control is such an amazing book to have. Yeah. So getting back to um, 500 miles, one of the questions that I'm, I'm really interested in is um, what was it that, that made you want to tell that particular story of, of Anna and Justin? I know you mentioned that you wanted to tell, you wanted to write a story, you wanted to write a book and everything, but what drove the decision or what comes under that to, to go into that type of story or, or what was the motivation behind it again, I guess? Okay. Um, I guess there's probably many stories there, mm. um, but I, I am a romance reader and some sometimes I feel like you you go throughout the book um to get to that climatic end and then it, it's just over and I just wanted more of that mm. so I think that when I was writing and having that control of there was a few more waves of possibility throughout it and I I just think romance books I I think a lot of them are famous for that there's not just one big moment and then it's over there's 
lots of little ones between yeah. it as well, which um, just makes it enjoyable to read and it gives you that escape and that thrill to go back to a story. Mm. They're the kind of stories that I like. I like my aren't too hard on your brain as well. And I mean that in um, the reason I read romance is I used to read vampire, thriller, murder kind of stories. Yeah. Um, then life got... 9-11 happened I was backpacking I was alone and someone handed me a Jane Green novel which is she's you know the queen of chick lit mm-hmm. romance um and I could just escape in that book just running away from everything that was happening around me because it was a scary place to be at that point in the world and that's when I started reading books like that because it was just that that soft feel of and so I wanted to create a book that was the same people could just hide away um there are some the other elements of the book which relate to um I guess drugs and alcohol comes up throughout 500 miles and my background at the time when I started writing it I was teaching drug and alcohol to children and so I had a background in that and I'm still fascinated by the impact of those things on a person's body and so that is throughout the book as well so I was um slipping in my own knowledge and interests into yeah. our love story essentially nice yeah and that does actually play a um it seems a rather subtle bit at the start and i don't want to give away any spoilers or anything but um yeah it did surprise me towards the end uh, and that was it was a again i'm trying to trying to describe it without you know without spoilers um because you know we don't want people to jump. <laughs> it's difficult it's so hard but it was very i thought very subtly <laughs> weaved into that um into the story and particularly into the uh i wouldn't not so much the conclusion but the resolution um i don't like to call it the conclusion because i know that there's you know again uh, how to describe the ending without uh, giving it away there are ever afters um <laughs> and it played a key part or understanding that played a key part in that outcome. So that was something that, um, you know, I, yeah, I'll, I'll stop before I give anything away now. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Nathan. <laughs> That's all good. Um, so I might actually um, go to uh, my favorite question and it's actually Danny's favorite question, but uh, I love hearing as, as a listener to the podcast, um, I love hearing the answers to this one. So I'm stealing it from her to ask as well. And that is, why do you write? Oh, I like this question. I write because actually makes me I always wanted to be a dancer. And Anna in the book wanted to be a yep, dancer too. So that. Yep. so that comes up. But um that's like that part is me and that I just wanted to be a dancer to feel the music and flow with it and jumps and I am not a dancer I I have a more athletic body (laughs) I don't leap through the air but when I write I feel like a dancer I just feel like you've got that control you have this flow you move through this story and you just go into this different place and when you read a book you escape but for me when I write a story you're just on this whole other level and it makes me feel my best version of myself and that's why I write that's fantastic and that look I know I said it was the last question but that does lead me to another question that I um, (laughs) I'll take it as well (laughs) no worries but when you said that you know that that whole that feeling of um you know wanting to be a dancer and that feeling of of everything sort of 
coming together and on that other level. Um, one thing that I've, I've heard a bit about is different art and different art forms, different forms of creativity, um, basically supporting each other. And I'm wondering, does that sort of feed into how you write with maybe maybe dancing isn't something that's a, a regular, but having that um, that creative input on the imagination and on the mind, whether or not that assists with the writing or the, the creativeness in other areas? Um, if I'm answering this correctly, music plays a big role. If I need to get into the right kind of mode for writing because sometimes you're not always on, um, yeah. but particular songs can just switch you into that right yes. mode and the words just come. And um, so sometimes... I think 500 miles, I almost had a, a playlist that was happening and it was just the right feel of songs that would get me in the right groove to write particular scenes. So that way the art of music plays a really big role in just turning your brain into the right spot. Yeah. No worries. Well, thank you very much for your time. I will actually end it there because that's it's opened up a few more questions there, but I don't want to keep doing one more, just one more, just one more. Um but look, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for putting up with my terrible internet connection and, um, <laughs> and mine. Uh, but yeah, look, it's, um, yeah, look, I, I can't recommend 500 miles highly enough. Um, as I said, I'm not the, the greatest aficionado of, uh, of romance, but I very much enjoyed it. And the big thing that I love about it is, is it's all about those relationships. And I'm a little bit biased, but I think that, you know, stories have to be about relationships or they're just a, then, they're not about relationships. They're about an individual and individuals are only so interesting, so to speak. Um, so I really appreciate the way uh, you did that and explored on both sort of the um, Anna's friends and Justin's friends as well and how it all sort of tied in at the end. Um, thank you for a great story. Thank you for the chat and uh, we'll yeah, catch you next time. Thanks so much, Nathan. Thanks for having me. It's been a real honor. I really appreciate your time and yeah, look forward to hearing more podcasts. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye.